Hi, this is Alex. And this is Lena. And this is Getting Mouthy. One more Tree Hill podcast. Lena, we're back again with episode number 20. I know. What is this one called? Oh, what is and what should never be. What is and what should never be. That's a Led Zeppelin song. Is it? I believe so. We'll delete this if I'm wrong. (laughs) But I'm pretty sure it is. And I'm pretty sure it's a song I really like, actually. I love it. You don't even, you don't even know. I mean, I know now. You're full of lies. Um, This was a good episode. I like this episode a lot. Me too. It was fun. It is fun. We actually watched this one twice. We watched it a week ago when we took notes. And then we wanted to give you the best we had to offer. So we watched it again right before recording. So hopefully we are about to bring it. I think we will bring it this time. This time. We sucked every other week. But (laughs) this is going to be the one. This time will be better. This time will be better. All right. So are you ready? I am ready. Do you want me to do a synopsis? Uh, Yeah. Let's do a synopsis, Alex. Tell us what it was about. Episode 20. Well, this episode is about Nathan struggling with his cash flow, and he gets a job. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you okay, huh? <laughs> I, was... <laughs> so I started yawning, and I had my face up to the sky like I was a wolf howling, but I had like my mouth stretched open as far as a mouth could stretch into a yawn. And I imagined Alex looking at me while trying to talk, and it made me laugh. I'm sorry. Go on. I did look at you while I was talking, and I continued with my... Okay, I'm sorry that I just think things are funny. What can I say? Go on. It's okay, honey. Nathan's cash flow is an issue. He gets a job. Hot and twisted. (laughs) And... The rest of the episode is all about a special party that they want to put on in the Scott apartment. Haley, leading the charge, brings together a very ragtag band of troops <laughs> to party. Yes, she does. With a couple of party crashers, too. Mm-hmm. That's it. This whole episode. That is the episode. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. And I haven't read the Google synopsis yet, but let's see if it gives us any additional insight that you have left out. Haley decides to throw a party at Nathan's apartment. But panics when things start to get out of control. And when jilted Brooke finds out she hasn't been invited to the festivities, she decides to turn up anyway. Wow. Whoa. Amazing. Le drama. That's French for drama. Thank you, honey, for You're the welcome. French lesson. No problem. So, <laughs> that's what happened. Let's get into it, So I let's think. get into it. Um, let's, let's start it off. Opening scene. Um, get your soul freak on. Playing in the background. As there is a party, a bunch of white teenagers laying all over, wasted, filling up the Scott apartment. Nathan Scott's apartment, that is. That's right. People passed out everywhere. Passed out everywhere. Garbage heaps, syphilis everywhere you see. That's right. There was definitely a party here. But then we see in Nathan Scott's bed, somebody draped with their, their hand draped over some woman's body. Yep. You think it's going to be Nathan? But no, it's just a lookalike. See, I thought it was a dream sequence at first. Well, and that makes sense because it fades out. That scene of the naked male back fades away into another naked male opening up. I don't know if he's naked, actually. Coming into focus, laying in Haley's bed. So Nathan is waking up with Haley. Was it a dream? No, no. That was his reality. That party, he just barely escaped with his life. Yeah, I guess Tim has been bringing over a bunch of hot chicks and partying. Hot chicks? None of them are you, Hales. 
he says with a smirk on his face. Honestly, yes. What a save. Haley is like brushing her hair and shit. And she's like, you know, I had the craziest dream. My boyfriend came by in the middle of the night at 4 a.m., rapped on my window. And here he is again. Have I mentioned this is a recurring dream? Because this is the fourth time in two weeks Nathan has shown up at 4 a.m. begging his way into Haley James's bed. Have you ever had a recurring dream, honey? <laughs> really? Yes. Well, I'm asking for the podcast's sake. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. All the listeners might know. Sure. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've had plenty of recurring dreams. Well, tell us about your like favorite slash scariest one. Oh. Okay. I didn't. This isn't like a favorite, but one's it's one that it's not a good one, but it comes to mind. I had a reoccurring dream several times in high school. Well, I had two. One was a reoccurring dream that this boy in my high school was locking me in a gas chamber with Keith Richards and killing me. <laughs> and Keith Richards surviving? Keith Richards was there. I don't know if he survived or not, but he was a good, you know, bunkmate. But I was being trapped in this, like, cellar by this boy. And this was a boy that was, like, in class with me who I didn't even know. I never talked to him. But for some reason, I thought he was going to fucking kill me. I had a recurring dream, another one, that I was in a convenience mart and the place got held up at gunpoint with a masked criminal. And I saved the day by somehow shooting the criminal. And then as they fell to the ground, I peeled off their head, their their mask, and it was my brother. And I had that dream three nights in a row when I was like 16, and I never had it again. Has what Jeremy, the fuck did that mean? Has Jeremy ever robbed a convenience store? <laughs> Not to my knowledge. Um, and I don't think I've ever told him that dream before. I don't think I've told anyone. Well, here you are. Here I am. Revealing it for the world. Yep. Have you had recurring dreams? I had when I was a kid. I remember watching the movie Chucky. I don't know if I saw it all the way through, but I was mm-hmm. very scared. And I kept getting chased through Aww. some kind of giant hotel, some kind of building with plenty of corridors to run. And he just kept chasing me, threatening to kill Chasey? me. Uh, Ch- Chucky did? Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Aww. And then one day, I <laughs> realized that this is a dream. And then I, I remember flying out of a skylight, kind of like uh, Willy, kind of like Willy Wonka did at the end of the movie wow. in the elevator. So that was my no. That was my dream. That's kind of brilliant, though, actually, because okay, we will move on in a second. But that is brilliant because actually, I went through a period of time where I was having um, pretty consistent sleep paralysis. Um, this was a few years ago, and my therapist at the time said that in order to escape th- sleep paralysis, something I could do is create. Before I fell asleep every night, think about how would be my, what would be my way out of a dream so I could stop the dream before it gets there or stop it when it's happening. And he told me to envision whatever I wanted to be an escape. So I envisioned a red door. And then when I was having this happen, I found the red door and I got out. And ever since then, I have not had – I think I may have had maybe one sleep paralysis incident since then. Pretty cool. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to the episode. Back to One Tree Hill. Very interesting, though. <laughs> well, we think it's interesting. I do. We said we were going to really deliver. I don't know if we are, but whatever. Well, either way. Like, we're having a conversation, you guys. Haley's joking that she's having this recurring dream about Nathan showing up, which he is, four times in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do think it's interesting. How is he sneaking in unnoticed for four nights in two weeks? He's probably got a tree outside of her window. She's He's climbing up. Maybe. I mean, we haven't met Haley's parents yet. We will. And I think it all makes a lot more sense when you meet Haley's parents. But. Oh, yeah, definitely. That is the situation. But supposedly they don't know. They start making out or whatever. Well, That's that. <laughs> they Haley mentions because of Nathan's concern about these parties that team, Tim keeps having. You're right. This is the most important part. Why don't we have a, <laughs> why don't we have a party? A party like a, to take back the party. Like a take back the party party. 
That's right. As she says. So that's what they decide to do. And then Nathan starts to say, hey, I'm going to roll around on the bed and make noises with you. And she's like, <laughs> or something like that. And then they start. It's a good time. It is a good time. Everybody has a great time. <laughs> and then we actually see Haley at the school. Haley springs into action. She goes up to Peyton immediately. Peyton, want to come to our party? Fuck yeah, I'll come to the party. Later. And Haley walks away. I, I told Alex this while we were watching. I'm pretty sure... The entire root of me saying later as a goodbye throughout most of high school came down to this one moment of this one episode. Watching Peyton say later. It's amazing what things can stick with you over the years. Isn't that crazy? Well, I remember specifically when I made the decision to start saying later. I remember it. I remember it very well because I was like, this will help my image. (laughs) I mean, I really thought about shit like that. Oh, this will make me like a cool girl. Damn, it feels good to be a did you it know. make you a cool girl? Fuck no. I've never been a cool girl in my life, but... You were cool when I met you. Well, that's nice. Um, no, I'm, I'm an okay adult, but as a child, I was definitely a problem. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, she is on, on her way. Haley is taking her... She understands the assignment. Let's just say that much. Yeah, she's trying to get people. And then it pretty much skips right from there to the cafe, where Keith walks in and sees Karen. And it's like, hi, Keith. <laughs> that's Mr. Scott to you, bitch. Keith mentions after he says this that he is going to be doing an interview to be a teacher at a high school auto shop, which is pretty cool. And it's going to be in Charleston, that mm-hmm. she finds out, which I know surprises Karen because that's a lot further away. And then Luke walks by and says hi to Keith and says he's going to practice. So it looks like now we're done with Lucas's injury and he's ready to return. Yeah, to he's the game. ready to, to turn back into a raven. The little Lucas caterpillar has become a blossoming raven butterfly. That's right. Keith, at the, in this moment, though, Lucas takes off and Keith's like, hey, Karen, did you tell him about the proposal? Because, God, that was embarrassing. And she's like, no, I don't know if I should. That, I think that's pretty much it, right? Well, that's pretty much it. And then she asks, like, should I tell you that you're, should I tell him that you're leaving town? Oh, right. And, like, he's going to miss you. And he says, no, I'll tell him. It's my responsibility. Did he say that? No, he said, I'll tell him. <laughs> It's funny, like, we've watched this twice, and I don't remember how that episode, that I mean, that whole scene It doesn't help resolves. that I, like, sometimes on purpose throw things in there that did not happen. I mean, it's okay. Just for my own amusement. I just don't, I just didn't really remember how that, the conversation resolved. No. It resolves in them going to basketball practice immediately after. Yeah. In a practice, we see Lucas is shooting. Nathan's being encouraging of him because he's, you know, it's not really going well. For Lucas, no. um, he's just kind of shooting through the pain, as as uh, Nathan has suggested. We see Whitey looking over. This is one Whitey's one moment to shine in this episode. He just kind of gives Lucas like a knowing look, and that's that's thank you, Whitey. Great contribution. I think it's great. It's great. And then Lucas is shooting, and we see like a little time lapse of Lucas shooting, and everybody's starting to disperse. It's like he's just been doing the same thing for hours, and it's just not really. It's not really getting better. Maybe. Everybody's kind of clearing out. Andy's in the same spot, too, I noticed. Like, he doesn't, like, you know, obviously he probably moved. If this was real, he would move around the court, I yeah. would think. Nothing else, he has to pick up those balls. Fuck yeah. So he's shooting, and everything's kind of emptying out, and then he's having a hard time, and Peyton comes up to him, and she's like, wow, like, you know, you really suck. No, she doesn't say that. Peyton comes up to him, and she starts talking to him, and he's like, well, you know, it's a good thing that I'm back, but, like, I really suck. You know, it sucks to suck. Yeah, she says that. Like, you know, if you keep practicing, you'll suck just as well as you did before. Well, so the, the important part, though, is that they're kind of flirting a little bit. He's saying his shoulder hurts. Put some ice on me. 
She's like, oh, let me stretch it out for you, big boy. So she starts bending it back and doing all kinds of twists and shit. And he's like, ooh, nice. Appreciate it, brother. And then, <laughs> and then we see Brooke, of course, in all of her infinite timing, comes in, sees this little, you know, feeling it up, mo feeling an epic moment that they're having. And she's like, well, I'd tell you two to get a room, but then you've already done that. And she storms away. I feel like this is the exact thing she said last time, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't. I, I feel like we had this exact scene already before. It, we've had it a couple times. I feel like. Well, I, I think this is the second time where they're interacting in the gym, and she gets pissed off and says something passive aggressive and storms away. Yes, definitely. I just can't remember what the different line was, but nevertheless, no, she's it's upset. Pretty much identical. We've been there, done that. We've heard the story already. Yeah, this is well. This is the episode where things start to shift, though. So Peyton follows her out. They're standing in the middle of um, the quad or whatever. And Peyton's like, Brooke, we gotta stop doing this. Fine. I'll stop talking to you and you can definitely stop talking to me. Okay. And you can tell Brooke is not expecting that. No. She was expecting Peyton to continue yeah. fighting for it. Yeah. and But Peyton gives up. She's basically like, all right, well, we're not friends anymore. Obviously, you don't want to be friends. So I'm going to trying. We're not going to be friends. And they kind of come to this little ag agreement, I guess. And it's and it's sad, though, because Peyton walks away and she's just like, all right, I'm done. Bye. Later. Brooke is like just kind of staring there kind of sad. Like she Brooke has this tough demeanor she puts on anytime she interacts with Lucas or Peyton. But as soon as they step away, it kind of softens. Yeah. And you could tell as soon as Peyton stepped away, she was like, fuck, like this is this is not what I want. And I mean, that's the vibe I get, at least. I mean, I think you're right about that, honey, because like as soon as she walks away, Brooke looks a little bit like. Man, what just happened? But before we have time to really think about what happened, we move on to Nathan and his apartment playing a game of basketball with Tim on, I'm assuming, a PlayStation 2. Okay, yeah. Just because we're around that time that Probably. they gave a PlayStation 2 to Lucas, so I'm assuming that they have one too. And this is when Haley walks in and she starts talking about how this party is totally on her. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because she's bringing drinks. She's bringing food. And Nathan's like, do you want to just, I could pay you back some of this. I got that money from the car I sold. Because remember, he sold his Mustang. And um, she's like, no, no, this is on me. Haley throws her money around a lot. And I'm just like. Karen's cafe. Like, she pays well. Karen, what are you doing? Thanks, Karen. Do you realize you get away with paying her so much less? <laughs> I mean, my mom right now with babysitting. But still, I'm just surprised. <laughs> so I wonder if they have uh, any tutoring jobs for Mm. Haley outside of the tutoring center at school if she gets paid from like any other parents or stuff I could see her doing that I mean Haley strikes me as the kind of kid that's probably been working since she was like 14 and has probably always saved everything because she's like very responsible so she probably has like a shit ton of money and it's only now that she's dating somebody and like you know has a life that she's like using it so yeah. I feel like she's probably uber responsible though so anyway she's offering to pay for everything um, so again reminding us like this is very much Haley's party that she's throwing. And Nathan is kind of like on board for it, but he mostly just wants it to be this like kind of low key affair. And she's, she's getting excited about it. Yeah. And then I like how Haley starts to put stuff away. She stretches up and you can see that tattoo on her, the small of her back. Ooh. And then Nathan's like, Hey, what's up? You're just lucky Tim is here. Cause I have a penis for you. Ooh. And they tell Tim to skedaddle and Haley leaves the apartment for a minute. She goes out to the car. I'm imagining. Is she only leaving for a minute? I thought that she was. I thought she was going out to the car and coming back. Oh, maybe she was. I kind of. I don't remember how this ends. She, he's ogling her twenty three. They are kind of flirting with each other and like talking about fucking and stuff. And then Tim, she, they say Tim to leave. Tim, of course, doesn't leave. So she steps out. Maybe she was. I'm sorry. I'm thinking through I mean, it in it, my brain. Yeah, it doesn't actually matter what she's doing. I think she's just going to the car to 
to get like maybe groceries. maybe because the end of the scene is at this point after she leaves the apartment to go wherever she goes yeah somebody else walks right in it's dan and before we continue i have a trivia question okay the game that nathan and tim were playing mm-hmm. was a basketball game yes what were the two teams that were chosen are you serious right now yes alex I'm just asking. I have absolutely no idea. Because from what I could tell. The Boston Celtics and the Lakers. Wrong. So The Chicago Bulls and the Sixers. No. There's 26 Those are the only teams I know. Okay. Well, (laughs) from what I could tell, because I double checked this, and one of the abbreviations was TOR, which is Toronto Raptors, and the other one looked like the Dallas Mavericks. Why are these any teams that anyone would ever want to play? Well, see, now it's interesting because you think in Tree Hill they'd want to play as like uh, Charlotte Bobcats. or You sure would think that. I don't know what they were in 2004, if they were the Hornets still or not. The Hornets? I Hmm. used to have a t-shirt of the Hornets that I used to wear to gym class when I was in second grade. Because I knew that they went to like New Orleans Hornets, but I don't know when they made that change. (laughs) So I have no idea. I would never have known that. I would never have cared. I reject that trivia question. You don't have to care about it. I reject it. I reject it. So Dan walks in. He does. Dan walks in. Tim turns around. Oh, hey, Mr. Scott. And then the the awkwardness sets in. Because remember, the last time Dan saw Timmy, he was wearing a leopard print thong with Deb Scott on her knees, ready to suckle. I mean, she wasn't ready to suckle. (laughs) She was not ready to suckle, but that was his hope. But that's what Dan thought. (laughs) That's what Dan thought. So Dan says... How's my wife? And Tim sc- scurries away. Now, I have a question for you. Do you think Nathan knows that that went down between Tim and his mom? I don't think so. Doesn't he? Like, because Nathan has no reaction. I don't think that Tim would say anything. And, and Deb wouldn't. Deb wouldn't, honestly. Yeah, what the thing is, well, would Dan not? Well, here, here's There's the no way Dan wouldn't run to Nathan. First thing he could. If hey, girl. If you're guess what happened? If you're wondering why Dan didn't say anything, or like why Nathan didn't question this. It's because I think he just didn't like that Dan was suddenly here because he never told Dan where he lived and he just shows up out of the blue. I don't think, well, I mean, this isn't when he never told him where he lived, right? I thought that was the previous episode. Oh, whatever. I can't remember. Nevertheless, though, I'm just surprised because I feel like if it was my friend and like my mom came over and was like, hey, how's my, how's my husband to my friend? I'd be like, what the fuck went down? Like, I would not, I would stop her from leaving. I would pull her in. I would pull my mom and be like, okay, we're going to talk about this. What the fuck happened? You men, know? Men are just different. You know? Men are just different. They just accept the things they don't know and don't ask any questions and that's, just live in bliss, blissful ignorance forever. That's true, honestly. That is sick. But Dan came over because he had somebody come into the shop and want to put in a new security system into a Mustang that looked very it was familiar. a security system? I thought it was a stereo system. Okay. I put security system here. and I thought, he, I thought he said those words, security and system. Together. I totally believe you. I just didn't know. I would assume a, a stereo system would make more sense, but I thought I heard security system. Either way, somebody comes in to get this done, and Dan's like, hey, what the fuck? Then he comes over to Nathan and says, hey, I want the rest of the money from the sale, or you can keep it and move back in with me. Because remember, Dan bought Nathan this car. This he- was his bribe to keep Nathan in the house. Nathan still took, hey, thank you very much, sir, but I'm going to go get my own apartment. And I have to say, I, as a viewer of this show for many, many years, all the times I watched this, I was like, what a dick. How could Dan do that to Nathan? Tonight, as a 33-year-old woman, 
I watched this and thought, I kind of get it. I kind of get it. Dan just spent, I don't know how much a Mustang was at that time. Do you have any idea? I don't know. I would say twenty to 30000 That's what I said. I had said thirty. I have no idea whatsoever. Yeah. Say $25,000. Dan just dropped that shit like a couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago at this point. And Nathan immediately sells it. And it's, it's basically like Dan is funding his life at this point. And now granted, that's not necessarily wrong. But from Dan's perspective, I can definitely see why he's pissed off. I don't like that he does this, but I understand why he does this. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so Nathan is like, okay, I'm not going to be manipulated. I will pay you. Let me get, he, he sighs, gets his checkbook, writes him a little check. Bye, dad. And what's done is done. And what's done is done. And then we go back to the high school where we see Haley inviting random people to the party. These rando bitches. They're like, thanks, Haley. We will tell anyone. Thanks for inviting us to your party. Yay. I don't think they even have a name for the episode. They absolutely don't have a name. These are girls we never see again. She's inviting, supposedly this is a small group of friends, and yet we're seeing her invite people we have never, ever interacted with on any level before. Right. And it's funny because Nathan did say he wants her to keep it low key. Yeah. So, so who, who the hell are, are these, these girls? But then Brooke comes over and she starts to ask about the party because, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to tip off the paparazzi, but I want to come because party is my middle name. <laughs> but then Haley seems kind of reserved about this and says, well, you know, we're trying to keep it. We're trying not to have that many people there. It's like, oh, well, did Bro- did Peyton say something? And, well, n- not exactly, but it's just gonna yeah. be a couple of friends. It's just gonna be people that we actually like, and I'm not one of them. And then Brooke, upset, walks away. Yeah, and Haley feels bad. I feel I feel bad for Brooke. I mean, I don't really know why she wants to come, but at the same time, I feel bad for her because that's got to be kind of hard. I mean, Haley is very new to this group. Well, after all the stuff that's gone down lately, maybe Brooke wants to be part of something that feels more familiar. Yeah, more normal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. I guess I just meant, I don't know why, like, she cares about specifically coming to a party Haley's throwing. But as I said to Alex a couple of times, like, this, yes, Haley is the one organizing it. But ultimately, it's Nathan's party. It's Nathan's house. Nathan's name. Everybody knows Nathan. You know, like, I'm pretty sure that's the reason people want to go to this party. Not because of Haley. But we'll, we'll get to that later. See, it is interesting for Brooke because... Haley is like best friends with Lucas. So you would think that she wouldn't go just because of that. Yeah, she'd want to avoid Lucas. Yeah. Yeah. But either way, that's what happened. And then we immediately go to the mall. Nathan and Haley are walking around looking for various places that Nathan could apply for a job. Talking about how little experience he has, how he doesn't know how to do anything but shoot hoops. That's right. And it's interesting. <laughs> they walk by a hot pretzel stand and they walk up and they talk about... Like, hey, like they're hiring. I'm going to put my application in. Why not? Nathan starts to fill out an application. And suddenly, the guy behind the counter says, Nathan Scott, can you start now? Alex, is this what it's like to be a white man in America looking for a job? Sometimes. Let's talk about your job hunt experiences. Well, let's put it this way. I worked in Ohio for seven years at one place. And we have moved to Pennsylvania since then. Trying to get my foot in the door. I put in, I don't know, maybe... Six or seven applications in, like, on a Sunday night. And I had an interview the next day. And I think for the first, or every day for the next seven or eight days, I got a call from somebody about a different interview at a different place. Just bitches throwing dollar bills. And I know that it was different. Everybody wants to give you a job, Alex. Well, I just think the the kind of industry I've chosen. Alex is the Nathan Scott of the job hunting world.
It's just you being a teacher was a little bit harder uh-huh. for people, you know, for different I know. universities. I'm just saying. You know, I'm so. just saying. Um, no, it just, it's funny. You walk, like, <laughs> I just, like, Nathan walks up, sees, oh, they're hiring, and is immediately offered a job. He doesn't fill anything out. Just immediately, here's a job. Take it. Yeah. So, I mean, it is very quick. Like, he didn't even, didn't even fill out any, like, payment forms or anything like that and sign anything from what we could see. So, we'll just hope that he gets paid. With actual checks that can be cashed? I'm sure he will, I would think. Here's hoping. <laughs> I'm not that concerned. <laughs> um, but then while they're doing their little job hunting tryst, we see Peyton in her bedroom. Lucas just shows the fuck up because, of course, that's what you do with exes. I mean, I mean, do you consider them exes on some level? I mean, kind of. They had an emotional connection. Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't have an official relationship, I mean, but he, they, had, they had a fucking serious affair. Honey. So... He kissed her belly. He kissed that he belly made, good. He made little blubbering sounds while doing raspberries. You know he I mean? raspberried that belly as hard and as fast as he could. <laughs> he brought Peyton to orgasm within 13 <laughs> seconds doing that. That was in a delicious I'm pretty scene. sure Peyton's never had an orgasm. I'm just saying. Her only other lover was Nathan, and there's no way he was giving out anything. What if they never had... What if they like the only kind of sex they had was just cunnilingus? And Nathan all, and and all she's ever had were orgasms. That is a hundred percent not the truth. You don't think so? Well, it would explain why they stayed in a relationship for so long. But I would also say that it has never happened to a high school girl. Well, <laughs> where that's all their relationship was. Um, nevertheless, Lucas shows up. I've got your blackout CD to return. It's Britney, bitch. And no, he's not talking about Britney. He's not. But he's returning her CD. Peyton is like, oh, cool, thanks. And she crosses off the CD title from the back of her door because apparently that's where she keeps track of where she, she has is it on lending the out CDs. She has it on the wall in that white paint that she I was I thought doing. it was on the back of the door. Wherever it was, who cares? But she's got it okay. on the, I'm saying like the white paint. Yeah. Is it, does she have like chalkboard paint that she's using? Or no, I think it's paint? actual like marker or paint or something. Like I, I think, I think she's actually using like markers and stuff. Wow. Or like maybe okay. like paint markers or whatever. Yeah, I mean she's very intense, but she she paints and does her room differently pretty much every episode. So I guess that's like not super um, important. To her. Then she's like, "Hey, Lucas, do you smell that? Do you smell that?" She hasn't washed herself for three weeks. <laughs> no. Apparently, it's guilt that she's trying to guilt get. is in the air. Because I don't even remember why. Brooke and I called it quits today. Brooke and I call it quits and there's a smell lingering. And then she says, and this, so I told Alex, for whatever reason, I can't quite explain it. Pain annoys me in this episode a lot. And I think it's just all the like, oh, I'm too, I'm such a cool girl references. She says, yeah, normally girls don't really break up, but you know, we usually just bitch at each other until we get over it. But oh, well, this time we did. And I just like, I think the way she taught, she's always like, presenting herself as just like fucking cool and like i, I don't know <laughs> I'm, being really, I'm being really like critical in a way that doesn't really matter for i don't know why it is in this episode i find her kind of irritating but i do i i think it's just because they like up the ante on all of her little antics in this episode and it, remember i like Peyton a lot it's, i don't really know why i find her annoying in this episode but i don't I know do. either i didn't have a problem with her yeah maybe i'm just in a mood <laughs> maybe i mean i thought she was fine because it, it truly feels like in this episode to me that she's moving on 
from that saga with Brooke and Lucas. At least at this point. I mean, she is. That's what it feels like to me. She is because actually in this exact moment, she's talking about them calling it quits. And then she says, you know, but let's talk about something better. Um, Haley's throwing this party. How cool are you going to go? And Lucas is like, well, I guess so. And Peyton says, well, why don't we go together? Not as a date, just like us hanging out, just having fun. What do you mean? Just having fun. No date. That's what she's. I know. <laughs> Were you saying the same thing? Well, I had just said the whole thing. So when you said, what do you mean? I was like, well, there's nothing else to say. Well, I know, but he said the same thing and then she had to elaborate I know, further. but she had said, do you want to go together? And he goes, well, what do you mean? I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. She... Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so you could tell she, because I think he says like, well, won't that cause problems? And she was like, listen, like. We're not going to make out. If, yeah. We're not going to argue. Just fun. I want to be friends. <laughs> um, yeah. She, uh, anyway, she says, like, listen, with Brooke, because I think he says, what about Brooke? And she's like, listen, you could date Brooke. You could fuck Brooke. You could stick a finger in her ass. <laughs> whatever you want to do to Brooke is fine. But you and I can still be friends. No big whoop. So you're right. This is an episode where she's kind of like coming back into her own and like kind of moving on and letting go. I will say that the last several episodes too, I think Peyton has been a more side character to other people's drama. So this is the first time we're really kind of revisiting with where she is emotionally since like a lot of shit went down. And I'm not, I don't know. I'm not saying she's doing anything wrong. I think I just feel like they're trying really hard to make her like a cool girl that just is like down with the guys in this episode. And I just find there's something annoying about it. I don't know why. She is trying to be a cool girl because then she goes over to her record collection. This is Hey Luke, listen to this. While this she new pulls rat out album. A new rat album. 80s metal thing. I've never heard of rat before. Let me just say something. I have owned a lot of vinyl records in my life. I my my collection of its largest was about 250 albums. Now it's about 100. I think it's about 100, right? Um It's about 100. When I had like 250, that did not take up that much space. Peyton probably has like a thousand albums here. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, she probably has about a thousand albums just in the little bit that we see there. And I'm not saying that that's unrealistic. It's very possible she got them. It's actually not hard to find a bunch of albums, if, especially if you just like take whatever the fuck people will give you. I wonder if some of it's from her dad, too. Oh, no, it's 100% from her dad. It's just that I don't think we've seen it before. I don't remember us seeing it before. We used to see her with CDs all the time. So her suddenly being into vinyl is, is kind of new. And I also, like, I, I complained about this a lot in the past. Peyton at the beginning of the series was into like pop punk and like emo and shit like that. And it was just kind of listening to like your standard stuff of that kind of age range at that time and, and culture. Now she is a music aficionado. What, when did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. She does gain a vast amount of knowledge. It seems on the yeah, show. About like music, what? Which is cool. It's, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's just like, we've talked about this before. I won't harp on it. I promise. But at least in like Dawson's Creek, Dawson is obsessed with film. He already has a very strong film knowledge when the show starts. We know he's seen everything. He works at a video store. He rents stuff every single weekend and watches new stuff. Like that is very much embedded in his character from literally the first episode. With Peyton, all we know is like she's into emo music and is like an angsty cheerleader. And then now suddenly, 20 episodes later, she could basically run like a high fidelity music store. And I'm, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I feel like maybe that, it, the combination of all of this, these like personality traits are at like their height in this episode. I, I feel like people are going to think I'm shitting on Peyton and I'm really not trying to. It's more of a, just a complaint about how the writers are presenting her kind of for me, kind of suddenly. Yeah, they're you not know? easing her into this new 
Well, we don't see her ever discovering music. We don't see her shopping for music or listening to records or talking to like other record store guy. Like we don't see those parts of her. We usually just see her drawing and listening to CDs. And now suddenly overnight. And I just feel like that. I don't know. I don't want to keep going on about it. I just feel bad. I don't want people to think I dislike Peyton or I'm being mean about her. It's just more of like a writing thing I'm annoyed with. Now, if it wasn't music and she was doing more art related things, would you have believed that without seeing it? A hundred percent. Because there's so much evidence of her. I mean, this is something I love about Payne is how much of an artist she is. Everything in her room, like she, her room is the constant embodiment of whatever she's feeling. I love that every day, every episode of her room looks a little bit different. Whether it's furniture moved around, new stuff painted on the walls, new colors, new portraits, yeah. new sketches, whatever. She she is constantly evolving in her art all the time. And I think that's really cool. She also references her sketches a lot. We, even though we don't see her draw as much, we know she has like a strip do. Like that is so much more consistent and that's why I'm just surprised. But anyway, I don't want to keep harping on it because I've already talked about it longer I meant, yeah. than I meant to. Well, the Rat album's playing. And then we <laughs> yeah. see Nathan struggling to make pretzels at his new job. A customer comes up and asks for some napkins. And Nathan says, well, hang on a minute, guy. And he <laughs> continues to try to twist his little pretzel instead of just, you know, handing him a handful of napkins and going back to it. Mm-hmm. And the manager, do you remember the manager's name? Jerry. Gary. Gary. Jerry is the guy that calls off later. Remember what I was saying? I thought it yes, was kind of lazy that they have like, it, one name difference. It just reminds me of Parks mother. and Rec. Because isn't Jerry's actual name Gary, but he never corrected them? And so for all these years, they've been calling him Jerry, but his name is actually Gary. In the last season, don't doesn't his name change again because his name was actually something else? I don't know. I don't or remember. they call him something? I don't know. Either way, yeah, you're right. But that's what it reminds me of. So his name is Gary? Gary. Yeah, that's who names, the boss. Who names a little baby Gary? So I'm not trying to be mean, but who does that? Gary's a fine name. Gary's a fine mate. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the name Gary. It's just when your name is Gary, there's no way you're believable under the age of 30. Like it just, it seems like a fake name unless you're 30 years or older. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Any Gary's out there, let us know if that's your experience. Yeah, let us know what you think. Do people not believe it was your real name until you hit 30? But he comes up and he tells them there's an acronym that you need to live by. Mm-hmm. What is it? Pulp. P-U-L-P, Performance, Understanding, Leadership, People, Pulp, the hot and twisted way. And I'm your boss, bitch. That's, pulp is the hot and twisted way. That's right. And like, I'm in your history class. Don't even, don't you even know who I am? Because Nathan doesn't actually know who this guy is. Like, do you go to one, do you go to Tree Hill? And he reminds Nathan like, hey, you and your buddies kicked my ass last year. Just for fun. Just for fun, you fuck. <laughs> and then... That's the scene. Like, Nathan's like, wow, I didn't know that. But I have a trivia question for you. Uh-huh. So this is a good one, I think. You're okay. not going to get this one either. But the soft drink machine for the fountain oh drinks. Oh, God. What drinks did they have on the fountain machine? Let's think about this. Minute made lemonade and Lipton iced tea. Okay. They had Pepsi. Oh, my God. Alice. Pepsi. 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 And Pepsi. All six slots on the fountain machine were all regular Pepsis. What the fuck? I thought that was very interesting. That is fucked up. What kind of mall is this? I know. Shit place. Honestly, the only good thing is that carousel people get fucked on. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Well. I just thought it was weird when I saw. That's really, really strange. I mean, that's why I definitely would never have remembered that. I was thinking about like Auntie Anne's pretzels and I used to get lemonade there and yeah. I used to get one of the cinnamon What makes me wonder, sugar pretzels. like when they pay a company to use their, like doesn't a company pay to like be in a show? Or if, um, even yeah. if they have to pay them, 
Like maybe it costs more to have different varieties. I wouldn't think it would if it's. Well, the I think same... the Pepsi company owns several different types of yeah. drinks, right? So I would think they would have variety. See, honestly, it reminds me now. I'm remembering there's a certain soft drink that's featured quite regularly. Later oh yeah, in the show. later in the show. So I'm no spoilers. <laughs> no, I was about to say it too. No spoilers, Alex. Okay. Well, anyway. That was like it had nothing to do with anything, but I just thought it was interesting that the Pepsi machine or the fountain drink machine only had one drink. I think it's I think it is too. I do want to say something else though about this scene. So Nathan is in his like what like second or third hour of this shift probably. I mean, this is his brand new job. We're assuming that it's the same day, right? Well, That's he says you could start now, right? And so then right. later we see him working, so it makes sense. This, I don't think this episode flashes forward because at the very beginning of the episode when they're in Haley's room, he says Saturday. So I don't know what days they go through. Well, we saw Haley at school two different times inviting people. So it's got to at least have been a couple of days, right? I mean. Yeah. So I don't know if it's his first day still or not. I Okay. That's my, that's my main point. Well, all right. That's not my point. My point was he's sitting there twisting um, in a very not hot way, twisting um, these little pretzels up. And he's doing a shit ass job with it. And Gary is just fucking watching him flabbergasted, mouth agape at how bad he is, but then never seems to teach him how to actually do it because we see Nathan have like 50 fucked up looking pretzels coming out of the machine and Gary's like, get it together, bitch. But like, Gary, do you, have you ever trained someone before? Maybe this is why people could be quitting. Well, honestly, like in the food service jobs I've been in, it was always a problem with people training and not realizing that it's my first day. I don't know the back of my hand, like 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 the back of my hand, the menu, like they do. I always had trouble like doing everything because they didn't explain everything. But my point is that he's what he's actively watching him fuck up pretzels and then bake them and then take them out enough that we have a huge pile of fucked up looking pretzels. Why was he not stopping him and being like, "Yo, you can't bake those; those are bad." That's all part of the plan. That's because they can eat those pretzels then. <laughs> okay so gary's doing that just to make sure there's a bunch of rogue pretzels that they're not actually able to sell because they're not good enough that's quality gary's, they're not up to the pulp standard that's gary's breakfast tomorrow morning what that's sad for gary uh, it's sad but poor it's gary what an amazing life although definitely i understand because i used to mess up donuts on purpose when i worked at the donut store just so i could eat them now granted i ate them even if they weren't messed up that was just what i did that's very funny just donut after donut god i gained 20 pounds in like a month and a half working at a donut place it was terrible i can only imagine how many i gained it was it was a bad time anyway so i just want to mention that because also alex and i are big fans of soft pretzels we actually make them quite a lot at home and it's not that hard to twist a pretzel guys it's, it's not. not it's actually pretty easy so nathan you might be a killer on the court but you are but a lot of it a too disaster in the seem like doing it in the air oh, on, with, not in the, in the other court you're not so good <laughs> yes i think doing it in the air seemed to be his issue like if, if you weren't trying to twist his pretzel in the air maybe he would have like he's such a showman it. he has to do everything at that this like nathan's not all about you <laughs> no i feel bad for nathan he's never had a job like this before he doesn't know what he's doing has he ever it's, had a job no he's never had a job before i mean this is his first time do i mean this is hard for me then i'm i'm really just kidding around like the, i feel like this is hard for him so i get it um anyway that's that we move on. Um, Lucas comes into the cafe and Karen is sitting there wrapping up a tie as a gift. And Lucas is like, yo, is that for me? And she's like, actually, this is for Keith. He is interviewing for a job and he's thinking of moving. My notes are really bad. I just realized I'm like skipping a lot of stuff. So well, this is also the point that she tells him that Keith proposed and that she said no. And Lucas says, I got to go see him. Okay. 
And then we see Keith getting ready in his apartment or his house or whatever it is. And Lucas shows up and he Mm -hmm. says, hey, like, I'm sorry, man. Like, my mom told me what happened. Why didn't you tell me? You know what's funny about the scene, though? Can I just say one thing? What's funny about the scene is Lucas comes over and says, Keith, I'm sorry, man. And immediately Keith's like, oh, it's okay. And then Lucas is like, I don't understand why my mom told me. My mom told me what happened. I don't understand what happened. I just think it's funny that Keith is like, oh, yeah, it's all right. Like, he's like just totally taking the sympathy without actually knowing why Lucas is saying, oh, man, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? I just think it's funny. Well, what else is there in his life to be sorry about? I mean, a lot. Let's be honest. Well. He lost his business. He. That's old news by now. I, I mean, it's not. It's like he everything in his life has fucking sucked. He's not drinking yeah. anymore, probably. Well. He lost know. his business. He's lost his booze. He's lost his woman. That's that's true. You know, you know, Keith mentions like like when Lucas asks, "Why didn't you tell me?" Keith mentions because as hard as it was, your mom turned me down. I thought leaving you was even harder. I don't want to be the second Scott brother to do this to you. There's so much pressure for Keith. It's sad. Yeah. So it's very nice, like that Keith sees him in this role, and you can really always see it between Lucas and Keith. Or like, I like how their relationship is. Yeah, but Lucas doesn't really understand still, like why he has to leave and. Keith is just kind of being like, listen, I just, I have to go. Like, I have to do this for me. It's time for me to move on. Yeah. But I will always be there. I'll always be a phone call away. You can always visit me planting a little seed for Lucas. Hey, you could always be around anyway. And Lucas says, like, you know, I always wanted you to be my dad. Oh, yeah. What a thing to say. It's so sad. That would make me feel so good if I were. It would. No, it would. It's just, anybody. it's really sad for, um, it's really sad for the whole situation because, that's the thing that sucks about this is, I mean, obviously, I was telling Alex this, and I will say it until, like, I have nothing left to say. But, like, of course Karen said no. I mean, of course she did. They weren't even fucking dating. They didn't even have sex yet. They kissed once. They didn't have sex. How could you know you want to date somebody? I mean, how could you know you want to marry somebody in those yeah. circumstances? I'm sure some people do, but I'm not one who understands, and neither is Karen. No. But then we go back to Karen at the cafe, and Karen is carrying around some kid. Now we're probably led to believe it's Jake's. Jenny, I got your number. I need to make you mine. Jenny, I've changed your All right, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And It's Jenny, though. It's Jenny. <laughs> Deb is talking about the kid, and then she starts talking about how like her husband won't divorce her. But her son didn't think twice. And she brings up how, like, she was sitting in her house all alone and thinking about other mistakes in her life. And that turning Karen's offer down to be a partner in the cafe was one of her biggest mistakes. And asked if it's still an offer on the table. Which Karen says, of course it is. Of course. And this is where Keith comes in. Keith rolls in. He is looking smooth. He's looking sharp. He's got an interview later. Deb swings her little face around. Face bright lit up like a christmas star keith you look fucking fine you look good you look nice she's fucking into him she is into him they they have i mean this is obviously you know they're related on some level sister-in-law brother-in-law but i do think that this is like a flirty moment we have between them it's very very brief also part of it too is that deb just looks really good in this scene she looks really good in this whole episode Yes, she does. But he comes to the cafe, and Karen actually has that tie that she was uh, showing Lucas earlier and gives it to him for good luck. And this is where Keith actually mentions Lucas came by and how much it really meant to him. Because it means a lot, having Lucas come by. And especially, like, the dad comment had to make him... Yeah. Like, if anything, that had to make him feel really good today. Yeah, absolutely. 
it's interesting when Keith gets the baby from Karen, because Karen's helping straighten out his tie a little bit. Keith holds Jenny. Mm-hmm. And we see Karen messing with a tie. It almost looks like we're supposed to, in this little mind of ours, be thinking of a family. Because it looks like a little family suddenly. With a dad holding the baby while the mom's adjusting the tie for the yeah. man to go to work. It absolutely looks like that. Like you're tra- kind of getting reminded of everything that's being lost in this moment. What could have been. What could have been. I wrote, the intimacy is overwhelming. The intimacy? The intimacy. Nice. Why did you say it that way? Just because it makes me Why laugh. Why did you do it? <laughs> no, I just feel like the the little... I don't know, like the looks that they're giving each other. She's like putting the tie on and he's looking at her and they're quiet. And there's just, there's so much like between them. I mean, I know that I mentioned Deb being all like, you know, flirty or whatever. And, I, and I'm very much over exaggerating that. But anyway, you see, they, they have that minor little moment where she's like, oh, you look great. With Keith and Karen, though, it is like there is a different li- like layer, another layer of intimacy and connection between them. And it's very apparent to me in that scene. Me too. Now we go to Nathan's work. Yes. Nathan is still sucking and the guy is getting angry. That's what I wrote in my notes. Well, it's interesting because he's actually on his phone talking to Haley. That's right. Which is interesting because I'm, I'm not used to making personal calls while I'm at work. Gary isn't either. Like, listen up, Scott. Make a call in your own time. Nathan doesn't know how to be. He does not know how to be. It's like, you need to stop. I need this job. I need this job. I don't have a rich daddy to crawl back to. Like, I'm assuming Gary is his boss. Who's the boss of Gary? That's what I want. <laughs> Who is the boss of Gary? Um, I definitely some, like, businessman from Georgia just, like, owns this little unit. And he's never, he's never been He's there. never been there. He's nope. just hired some teen managers to work 28 hours a week on their own for seven twenty-five an hour. And that's the... That's it. That's pretty much it. It is Gary or it is no one else. I remember making that much in an hour back in like 2000. I remember making less than that. 14. I remember me. Well, no. So here's the thing. At this time, this was in 2004. I got my first job in 2003 and or maybe 2002. I can't remember. 2002, 2003. My first job, I made 525 an hour. And so that's probably around what Nathan is making at this. So that's why I say Gary is probably making like seven, 750 if he's the little manager. Because I get the impression he's the little teen manager because you know how they have teen managers at places like this you know yeah and it's notable that when when nathan shows up gary was working there alone and immediately hires him so probably that's what i'm saying their manager is not like existent it, it is all on this poor boy and he's just trying to make it work yeah because this is where jerry calls in also mm-hmm. jerry we were, another employee jerry right? calls in and says he won't be able to make it in and this is also where like gary's like hey jerry called in you have to stay until 10 o'clock I can't. I got plans tonight. But it doesn't matter, Scott. It's the business you got to worry about now. I hate jobs that do this. You're a capitalist slave. I hate jobs. Like my job in Ohio, we did the same thing. Somebody would call off like 10 minutes until the shift ended. Mm -hmm. And they would come up and say, you need to stay an extra four hours while they desperately call second shift to come in early. I had that happen when I worked at the front desk at a hotel. I would work 3 to 11 usually from the afternoon to the evening. And then their night audit shift would come in. They would come in from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m. And more than once, multiple times, the person didn't show up. And I was told I had to stay overnight and work a double. And that was horrible. (laughs) And I did it multiple times. That's horse shit. It was horse shit. 
Um, I did get paid an extra dollar an hour when I worked overnight, which was nice. But it was not ever something planned. It was always 100%. I'm the only person here and there was literally no one and the managers won't come in. So, and everybody would be like, why don't you just leave? And it's like, because this is my full-time job. I can't leave. Like, I don't want to look bad. I hate what they've done to us. That's how it is. (laughs) That's how it is. And it's fucked. But that is what Nathan is just dipping his little toe into. And we find out that this is Saturday. It is party day. It's party time. We'll see when he gets to go. Yep. Now we go to Keith in his interview. So far, things are going well. The guy's bald. doesn't matter. But, you know, he asked him, like, you got hired on by this Dan Scott Motors. Like, why'd you quit already? And Keith starts to say, like, well, you know, management came in and took things in a different direction. I wonder if Keith mentioned that he used to own this place. I get the impression that he did mention that. Um, Because then he's like, well, why did you leave when they hired you back on or something like that? And he's Is that what like, he, said? he maybe didn't say back. Maybe I just am imagining that part. But um, he does basically say, like, you know, they're taking a different direction I didn't like. And the guy's like, oh, I see. And so you had a problem with that, huh? And he's like, well, actually, no. It's just that my brother was the owner or the, the manager and my brother's an ass. Which is a very bold thing to say in an interview. <laughs> it is. But Keith could tell. He knew he he had said something a little bit awry. And the guy kind of just is like, okay, sure, let's move on. Okay. And then he says, listen, you've got all the technical experience in the world, but what makes you think you could teach a bunch of fucking teenagers? To me, it's not about teaching them to change a spark plug. It's about uh, giving them the confidence to do something that maybe they didn't think they could do before. And... Once you do that, you've earned their trust. And when you have that, then you can really have an effect. This really lands well with the interviewer because the interviewer pulls up his britches and says, my brother is an ass too. And then walks through the door. Good for you, Keith. It's very good. It, so, we get the impression things have gone well. This is Things are looking up for Keith Scott. This is a good interview for him. So we'll find out what happens to them. But for now, it's party time. <laughs> We see a DJ table with Mouth, Manning. DJ, spin that shit. That's right. And then Haley's walking around getting ready. She's looking nervous. Oh, can we just talk for a second about Haley's outfit? How much do you hate the outfit? Huh? I hate this outfit. Alex rolled his eyes. I hate this outfit so much. Listen, I can't even explain why. Okay, let me let me try. The skirt. I hate how long this skirt is. I don't have anything against a long jean skirt, but I really dislike the length of this particular skirt. She is a 16 or 17-year-old girl. Why is she wearing a skirt that has like a geriatric length to it? I just don't like it. I don't like it. It's long. It's past the knee. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't like the pink shirt with the little bow of like little rosebud thing the off the shoulder number i'm not into it the pink color is fine and it's cute but i don't like the off the shoulder i don't like the little bow of the flower i don't like the thing hanging off of it in a long string of cloth i don't like it the only thing i like is her hair and her makeup is great but i hate her style it looks like she's going to bible study i don't like this Haley. be better that's all i have well Haley goes to the door <laughs> to answer it when somebody knocks and it's tim and tim starts carrying in a keg what up, nose? <laughs> I find that funny. Because so far, nobody in Tree Hill can get Mouth's name right the first time around. I know. It just makes me laugh. Actually, what up, nose? It's so funny. It's, it's Mouth. 
That was Lee Norris's only contribution to this episode. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Why? Well, he gets carried away later. Ne- <laughs> he literally gets carried away later. That's true. No, he is running the music at the party. He is DJing. So he's contributing atmosphere. But also, later there's a moment when the music strategically stops playing at a very important moment, and it does help. Okay, so... So he does play a role. He just doesn't say much. Mouth, as a character, controls the music. But Lee Norris, in reality, has got like two lines in the whole thing. I just I thought it was funny that one of them is, it's Mouth. I just think it's funny. But we have, back at Peyton's place... Lucas walking in once again without knocking. Just Nobody knocks. Showing the fuck up. And Peyton is hot. That's what he says. Ooh, you look kind of hot. Fuck yeah. Well, thanks, brother. <laughs> and then yep. Lucas says, like, hey, I've got a gift for you. And I don't have anything for you. What is it? It is the first Tesla record, whatever that means. Yeah, I don't know what that means either. Must be a band. I don't know. Presumably an 80s metal brand. Offers Lucas a high five in return, to which Lucas happily accepts, and they're locked, their hands in eternal bliss. <laughs> so dramatic. That's the entire scene. Yeah, it's, it's a brief It's a brief little moment, but they, they are going together. She looks hot. I think the, the whole point of this little scene, honestly, is to show they're on really good terms right now. Um, like their friendship is in a good place. But there's still a flirtation between them. He, he, they're still attracted to each other. He's bringing her a little gift. She's excited about. It. They're having. They have like a nice dynamic. They're having fun together. That is important for later in the episode. That's important. It is important. And we go back to Haley. She's worried that nobody's showing up. She and Tim are just sitting there on the couch, twiddling their little thumbs, waiting and waiting. But the doorbell rings, and people are here. People start piling in. Tim opens the door. He just hugs his first girl that comes through. Then suddenly, like a clown car, finally. Getting all of the passengers out. <laughs> People just keep shoveling themselves in. Yes. And w- they're not only they're shoveling some- themselves in, but they're shoveling food down their gullets in the form of celery sticks. Yeah. She actually, I thought it was interesting <laughs> for some like high school party with alcohol uh-huh. that she has like a vegetable she tray. She has a vegetable tray filled with really precisely cut celery sticks. And then some girl comes over and gets an entire handful. <laughs> an which is entire awesome. fistful. Like as if she's never, she's not sure if she's going to see celery again. So she wants to make sure she makes a lasting moment and impression Which with I'm it. I'm glad we watched this twice because I didn't notice oh, that. Oh, I definitely didn't notice that. I just thought it was so funny that these people pour in. This girl like <laughs> runs her hand through the whole fucking vegetable tray and scoops up every last morsel of celery that she can. That is not something I expect anyone to do at a high school party. I don't expect anyone to eat vegetables at a high school party, honestly. No, me either. And then Haley actually asks, like, do you know who these people are? Tim says, like, like, no, I don't, but who gives a fuck? It's a party, bitch. You want people at your party, don't you, Haley? Well, I, I, I guess so. I, I guess so. Well, she, I guess it's all right. And then she walks over to the corner and just looks uncomfortable. She's not happy. But we go to somebody else that didn't get to come to the party, that didn't get an invite. Brooke, looking like a bad bitch. Woo! Love her. She's sitting at a bar with a drink in hand because apparently underage drinking is very prevalent in Well, that's, apparently that's what you do when you're 17 and like disappointed in your ex-boyfriend. You sit and drink at a bar. I, I don't know. Like that's not, I don't. This is a sequel to Cheers. Maybe this is what, what it is. You know? what, what a very um, 
adult way of responding to sadness. I just think it's interesting. But she's looking hot as hell, sitting at this bar, l- miserable, very unhappy. And some some boy some, comes over to her. Some doofus comes over. He, I mean, do oh my god, doofus is the perfect fucking word to describe this guy's face. Like, listen, he has guy. the stupidest fucking face I have ever seen in my life. Sorry, buddy, if you are a big fan of our podcast. If he's listening to this, that's if you're listening, hurtful. it's not your fault. It's just the way you're styled. Well, she says, okay, guy, in need of a clue, fuck off. You're going to slink back over to your buddies, and you're going to go home tonight, and you're going to finish yourself off. Even fantasy me isn't into you, Ugh. so I won't be there. I love that line, even your fantasy of me is not interested in you. What? He picks up his drink Ugh. without saying a word. And disappears from the night. I love it. I actually think he's fucking into that shit, though. Because when she was really degrading him, his little face got a twinkle. He was like, oh, fuck yeah. Give he me probably, like He probably went to like a bar like seat and he's like jerking off. And you table. know what? She's probably not wrong. Even in his fantasy, she's not into him. This is a cuckold situation for this man. And his fantasy is watching Brooke get plowed by Lucas while he sits in the corner feeling lonely. That is his fantasy, and I refuse to believe anything else. Doofus. I can't wait for that scene. Nevertheless, he walks away, and who do we see next? Nikki. Lil' Nikki. Turns around, says, nice brush off. An A-plus for style or something like that, right? And Brooke instantly recognizes her as Jake's ex. Anger, alcohol, and a fake ID is what brings you out into the world. I just want to say, I like when she says, I've seen you. You're Jake's ex, right? <laughs> no, he's mine. Love it. That is a good line. Well, I just, it's like, of course, that's what Nikki would say. It, like, Nikki is very strange because this next part here, too, she talks about putting a curse on whoever's do, doing her wrong. Well, remember, she did magic tricks to seduce Lucas, so but, this is her thing. Know, and it's different. Like, those magic tricks are the kind that you see in Vegas. These little curses are the kind you see in New Orleans. I think that Nikki has. I I honestly think I would be friends with Nikki. <laughs> I could definitely see that. No, I mean like Nikki would be like the hot mess friend I would like bring around to like make myself feel better about my life. Like being put together. Yeah, she would make me feel like I like had my shit together on some level because she's such a disaster all the time, and I would love hearing about her drama. She wouldn't know a single thing about me because she never asked, and I would listen to her shit for hours, and I would encourage her. And I would give her advice and she'd fuck her life up, but I would still be there. Nikki, girl, you could do your magic with me anytime. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I also would really like to put on curses. So like, let's, let's talk. Well, Brooke actually gives her some hair and Mm -hmm. mentions two people to her, Luke and Peyton. And Nikki's eyes kind of perk up because like, I fucked Lucas in the mall Mm -hmm. on a carousel ride. And Peyton is trying to fuck my baby daddy. And she's trying to be my baby's mama. She's trying to tuck that bitch in tonight. Yep. And these are two people she knows well and in very different ways. Nikki's got a plan. She orders two vodkas for herself and two for her new best friend. Mm -hmm. And from here, we actually go to Nathan having a terrible time at the food court at his job because he accidentally drops an entire batch of pretzels. Yeah, he's like filling in the, um, the, finally has managed to pull off a decent pretzel filling it into the counter, and then suddenly, boom, everywhere. And this is, of course, the exact perfect moment for Dan to walk up. Nathan is on his hands and knees cleaning up these pretzels, the lowest of the low food service for this little surf as Dan sees him. 
And Dan comes up and says, You know, it's a shame. I have pictures of you in your first bath, your first haircut, first time you walked. Here it is, your first job in me without a camera. Of course, if I did have a picture of you, Mom most likely take it in a divorce. But that probably sounds better. Isn't it interesting that Dan is at a mall? What is Dan doing at the mall? Is he at the Foot Locker? I just want to know. <laughs> Dan, what's, what's he doing? I think he's at one of those, like, perfume huts. I can see that. No, what is Dan doing at the mall? Truly, that's a good question. I'm just remembering my mall had like checking an, out the carousel, maybe. Had him like an elder, <laughs> yeah, trying to see if his favorite seat's still there. <laughs> Looking for Nikki. Um, yep. It's uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Go on. Your mall. No, like my mall had an elder beerman, a J.C. Penney, uh, a Sears, I think, at one point, and that's that's what my mall had. It had a Foot Locker and women's clothing. It didn't have anything that anybody would actually want to go to. <laughs> Um, maybe he's going to the piercing pagoda and getting a belly ring, you know? That would be, I hope we see that later in the show. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I mean, Dan, Dan's an interesting character. I think for the most part, Dan has no life and is just constantly thinking about like, okay, wh- who can I go harass now? I'm bored. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, in all seriousness, I do think that he is just very preoccupied with what's going on with Nathan. I do think he genuinely cares as much as he's like a dick and doesn't know how to show it. I think he actually is like upset. Like, where's Nathan? What is he doing? He heard he got, I, I don't know. I don't know why he's there, but he's there shitting all over poor Nathan. And Nathan's like, dad, leave me be. I am trying to make it on my own and I'm proud of myself. And you're not going to take that away from me. Yeah. And like, I could be like you and just mooch off of Deb, but I'm not going to do that. Dan says like, you got a lot to learn, kid. Starts to walk away. And a really cool part I liked a lot. Mm -hmm. Nathan picked up one of the pretzels off the floor. Hey, dad. And tosses him a fresh soft pretzel. Straight from the ground. There is no five-second rule here. Okay. Oh, no. And Dan smiles and eats it. Perfect. Satisfying little moment. It is satisfying. I like it a lot. Um, But next we see uh, at the back of the party, Haley is getting overwhelmed. There are a lot of people here. Lots of people. And so far, none of her friends, except for these two girls walk up to her. And I can't remember if these are the two girls that she asked. Are are. they? Yeah, the nameless ones from the The nameless girls that are just like fangirling over over Haley. They come over and say, Nathan Scott and your own apartment? Oh my God, your life is like amazing. You're so fucking lucky. I would be sucking his cock constantly. Wow. That's what they're thinking. (laughs) Well, that's probably true. And Haley's like, thanks, but I don't even live here. And they're like, bitch, we don't care. You get that dick every night, and that's all we really want. I want that shit in my hair. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so they take off. She, but, but basically, the whole point is she's overwhelmed. These people, she doesn't even know these people for the most part. They're filling in the space. She's getting freaked out. She doesn't know anybody. And then in walks Lucas and Peyton. Sight for sore eyes. Her friends. She runs over to Lucas. Hi. And she hugs him. Who are all these people? Fuck, I don't know. And then it's not even a few seconds later, we see some party crashers. Brooke shows up. Hey, everyone. And then suddenly around the corner, slinks Nikki. Let the games begin. Of course, that's what she says. So then we immediately cut to the next part of the scene where Brooke and Nikki are drinking a lot. Is this where... I believe in a thing called the just listen to the rhythm of my heart. That's, That's what's right. my thing. Great song, in the, the darkness. Yes, two thousand four. Peyton and Lucas are sitting very like they're sitting close by. Yeah, to be able to look over at them. I love it because Brooke and Nikki are getting fucking wasted. They are just downing vodka over and over. They are rolling around on the couch together. They are a dynamic duo, and I'm about it. 
they are. And Lucas is sitting there. I think it's kind of weird. He goes to this party and he's playing like his little electronic game. He didn't come to party. He came to play a game. The girls walk away to check something because somebody broke something in the background. Luke, by himself, has a visitor because Nikki comes over and says, where's Jake? Like, you know, he's working tonight, Lucas says. And then Nikki asks, like, do they have a carousel in this place? <laughs> Nikki can only get it up for a carousel. That's it. It's <laughs> it's funny that that's she her, <laughs> of course kink. they don't have a carousel. It's a fucking one bedroom. <laughs> and then like Lucas like asks, like, will you please take Brooke and get her out of here? And Peyton comes over at this point and Nikki goes, I thought I smelled something. You know, that's skank. And it's coming from you. <laughs> And Lucas chuckles. And this was Lucas's mistake. Oh, yeah. He chuckled at a woman. That he fucked. That he fucked on a carousel mm-hmm. that wants to get him back. Listen, that I that is 100% the mistake here. This is, to me, <laughs> I'm not blaming Lucas here. I'm not saying he's the reason that everything else in this episode goes awry. But this is a turning point to me for Nikki. Because when it comes down to it, Lucas did have sex with her. They had a night together. They had sex in the carousel. He she he took her back to Karen's cafe. They hung out, ate Tabasco sauce, and they've come to a mutual agreement about, you know, I didn't mean to do this. I would never have pursued you if I knew that you knew Jake, blah, blah, blah. I want to get my family back together, all this stuff. They know each other on a level. And then Peyton makes this shitty remark of calling her a skank, and Lucas laughs openly about it in front of her. That is hurtful. I'm sorry. Nikki may come off like fucking crazy, but Nikki is still a woman. And that would be very hurtful for any woman who had sex with this this guy to have him kind of publicly make fun of her like that. It would be hurtful. And so, of course, it makes her pissed off. Then as they walk away, Nikki is just getting started and starts pouring herself another glass and gets <laughs> and drinks another glass of vodka. Which my question during the episode is, why doesn't she drink out of the bottle? Because I feel like she's wasting a plastic or a little plastic glass here. Or, or a yeah, I mean, she's clearly like solo cup. not like... <laughs> I mean, she's like very set on getting drunk, so I'm not really sure why she's not drinking it straight from the bottle, but whatever. From the bottle, who cares? Well, either way, though, Nikki's just getting started. We flash over to the food court where Nathan is sweeping the floor, and Gary he asks, like, Nathan, do you remember homecoming? And Nathan's like, Yeah, I remember, dude. I kicked your ass. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. I am. Like, why do you even need this job, Nathan? And Nathan actually gets real with him and says, You know, if if I can show a judge that I can support myself, then things will be okay but if i can't i have to live with dan i do like here that um nathan is saying like because like this guy gary is like i feel like you can tell he kind of enjoys having a little bit of this power because he's never had power over somebody like nathan before and he has a little bit of this power and i think he clearly likes it but i like that nathan actually says listen i genuinely need this job i'm genuinely gonna do my best but if you're gonna just give me shit just you might as well just fire me now like this is not worth it i could find another job like Please just understand, like, I'm I'm sorry about what happened, but I am trying here. I really appreciate that Nathan says that. And I think that Gary does also. Um, because at that point, Gary's like, okay, listen, like, you've done a good job. You can go. I, I know you have a party. Like, everybody in school's been talking about it. Yeah, he says he'll let it go. But yeah. he needs to step up. Oh, yeah. But then he does bring up that party, which Nathan at the last, well, you know, you can drop by if you want. And then Gary says emphatically, pry your lips off my asshole. Get your tongue out of there too, bitch. <laughs> Stop licking and get to your party. <laughs> He's 
it's, it's weird to imagine this scene because when he says that, when you say it like that, honey, yeah. Now I'm imagining like the entire time they were talking to each other, he was on all fours with his head, his head turned Stop around it. looking at. It. Stop it! No. So that's not what was happening. Just no, for you what's out happening there. at all? What's wrong with us? Why is our mind going here? Yeah, you've got a very dirty mind. I know, it's terrible. Since we've started this. No, I just think it's funny that he says that. I I told Alex, I turned to him during this. I cannot picture saying that sentence to literally anyone. Pry your lips off my ass. I just like, especially some like random person from school. (laughs) I just can't fathom saying that. I just think it's very explicit. It is. I don't know. I know it doesn't, I know all it means is like stop kissing my ass, but it just feels, I don't know. Anyway. Anyway, we go back to the party. Brooke is getting more alcohol. Peyton comes up. You know Nikki? She says. You're that tallish lying person I know. She's always been a tall girl. Why don't you crawl back to Lucas? And Peyton just says whatever and leaves. And Brooke sits there and she's she's still thinking about this moment earlier. Yeah. And they said they weren't going to be friends. That's definitely popping up in her head right now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But while this party is raging, Nathan tries to call Haley. He's sitting on a bench somewhere. I imagine like looking he's waiting for a bus or a ride. Or a ride, yeah. And he gets no answer. Poor Nathan, he's having a hard night. But speaking of hard nights, Deb at the Scott house, she's getting drunk. She is drinking expensive wine. And she's splitting some up some additional stuff up. She is currently sorting through Dan's trophies, his basketball trophies. And just at that moment, Dan walks in. Oh, are you splitting those up too? I wouldn't even dream of keeping you from your pride and joy or whatever. Like, why are we going through this charade? You're going to be unpacking all of that later, Dan says to her. And then starts to complain about how he pretty much, it's Deb's fault for Nathan getting a job at the mall mm-hmm. and is ripping us apart. And then Deb walks over with a box of trophies, drops it. And you know, it's like, are we just going to stay here all night and drink cheap wine and trade insults? Wine's not cheap. And he realizes that this like stuff they're drinking was from their wedding, right? No, it's not that. It's the, the they're drinking from the wedding crystal. Oh. So whatever crystal they were gifted when they got married. I see. There she's drinking wine from it. She he she drinks from it and he's like, This is our wedding crystal. And you're just like drinking it like this? And she goes, Well, actually, that's your wedding crystal because I destroyed all of mine. So you that's your half. Yeah, because you know what? You divided this family a long time ago. And Dan he Barks back like, hey, I was working hard, getting the business going and putting clothes on your back. And this is really what turns Debs and says, you know what? If you want the house, you want the car, here. Goes over, grabs the car keys, throws it at him. House keys, throws it at him. Why don't you take the clothes off my back too? And she starts to strip. Woo! Take it off, Deb. Woohoo! And he stops Deb right before she takes her bra off. He says, what are you doing? I don't want the car keys, I don't want the house, and I certainly don't want your clothes. You know what I want? You pussy bitch. Wow. What are you going want... to say? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I want you. And she's like, no. And she slaps him. And then he's like, oh, fuck, baby. I want it even more. And then they start going the fuck at it. They do. They show at least... Five positions in like 30 seconds that we can see. It's a quick montage. It is a quick and dirty montage. It is. It's great These people fucking their brains out. I love it. Yes. Good show. And it is party time in the Deb household, but also in the Nathan Scott household. And we see Mouth being carried away. 
because a crowd of people has lifted mouth up and started just <laughs> transporting him someplace else, which is great. He's crowd surfing around the living room. And basically, this whole scene is just showing what a what a uh, what chaos is occurring. Haley James wilding out. Like they have some, people at the table have a toaster and they're fucking with the toaster. I don't know what they're doing to it. They're destroying it. But to be frank, things are just crazy right now. And I think that somebody said, I don't know if this is the scene where somebody says that to Haley, but she's like, "Well, whatever, it's a party, it's fine." It might have been earlier than this, but I can't, I can't recall. Um, but it's clearly things are getting really out of hand. Um, and so she's kind of fucking stressed out and they're like, listen, just take a shot. It'll be fine. So she takes a shot. Yeah. Cause I think they're having they're, drinking games. They're playing like quarters or something like that. I don't know what yeah. they're doing, but she takes a shot and, and Pete is like, Whoa, you're getting drunk. And she's like, yeah. And, uh, they're having a good time. <laughs> um, and then Brooke and Nikki, of course, they're making little rounds and Brooke comes up and says, Oh, you're playing games. Be careful. They might cheat. And she looks at Peyton and Lucas hatefully. Nikki looks over at Peyton. Oh, you're still here. I thought you'd be running off to tuck in my kid. Someone's got to. Damn. Damn. Would you you say bitch? Would you fucking say bitch? And Brooke is like, Nikki, this bitch is not worth it. Back down. And she's like, get away from me, Brooke. And Brooke's like, oh, shit. And Nikki goes over and she pushes Peyton. Well, no, no, no. She says, do you have a problem? And Peyton goes, yeah, it's called you, bitch. Whoa. I like it. Fighting words. and But then for real, though, Nikki takes this shit to another level. She shoves Peyton with all of the strength in her little arms. She shoves Peyton into the fucking fridge. And Peyton is shocked. She, like, hits it back. She's shocked. Then... Nikki slaps her. She slaps her with all of the force in her body. And Peyton is like, what the actual fuck? And she jumps. She leaps at Nikki and they are rolling around they are screaming they're them in their little hip hugger jeans they are rolling about Mark Schwann is somewhere real excited and it's a mess it's a mess of an apartment and it is a mess of a scene be ladies ladies no they're <laughs> fighting each other and it's wild. at one point Nikki picks up a stool and oh my throws god it at Peyton Peyton gets out of the way goes right through a window that is fucking crazy this is like an actual wrestling match. She is like, everything becomes a weapon. At this point, Lucas actually fights through the crowd, grabs Peyton. Tim and Brooke grab Nikki. Lucas Scott is coming to the defense of his women. He says, you need to go and points at Nikki, ousting her. And this is where Nikki actually says that line about mm-hmm. him coming to the defense of his women. But shouldn't that include someone else? She says with a smile on her lips. Don't worry. I can keep a secret too. Apparently not because you're literally advertising it in front of everyone. Yeah. I mean, the cat's out of the bag. Peyton asks, what does she mean by that? And Lucas is the center of attention. And this is when he mentions, Nikki is the girl I met in the bar. I fucked her on a carousel. I had my way with her on an up and down horse. (laughs) What do you call those? She was up and down on my horse. (laughs) Yeah, and uh, this is not going over well. Uh, I mean, immediately Peyton is devastated. Brooke says, oh, all aboard the Lucas Scott betrayal train or whatever the fuck. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't look, it's not a good look for Lucas. No. Because here's the thing, too. It's not only that he hooked up with somebody. It's not only that it's Nikki. It's that Nikki, they've been all hanging out with Nikki. Nikki has been around all night. Nikki, for Peyton, has been around for weeks now, causing all kinds of fucking havoc. And Brooke was hanging out with her all night. And, like, they were, he was acting superior to Nikki all night. And not only was he acting superior to her, but they, then they find out that he had fucked her. 
And that also makes him look even worse. Because not only did he do that, but he, like, also then is treating her really like, like, he's, like, acting like she's nothing. I don't know. That would be part of what would turn me off. Not because they think, you know, any of them think that Nikki is worthy of respect or anything. But just the fact that he's a guy that is capable of not only having casual sex, but then also kind of, like, being shitty to the girl he did it with. Yeah. That's a different layer that they didn't know about him. No, they didn't. And just to keep the chaos going, they had this happen. And then immediately Nathan shows up at this point. Oh, poor Nathan. Because the party is pretty much done. The music has stopped. People are like, what the fuck? Nathan shows up. And almost immediately, cops walk through the door. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Who lives here? Who owns this place? And once they find out that Nathan owns the place, because he pipes up right away, everybody else beat it. And... (laughs) Nathan's getting pissed off because they're writing him a citation. Like, what are you doing? Underage drinking, disturbing the peace, which he tells everybody to get out of the apartment before he writes them up for underage drinking. But he doesn't actually check any IDs. I mean, he actually says, get out of here before we check IDs. But Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's interesting that he's telling Nathan that, you know, for underage drinking when he doesn't actually have proof yet. That it's ha- I mean, I'm sure it's happening. I mean, come on. I'm pretty sure Nathan is underage. There's a keg there. So. And they, even though they are adults and they look like adults in the show, in Tree Hill, a lot of adults are actually children. So. And then it's pretty weird. Luke, Nathan actually starts giving them shit. Oh, great. You learned that in detective school. Honestly, Nathan, shut the fuck up, dude. Your white privilege is showing. <laughs> Who talks like this to a cop when they're like 17? Nathan, I guess. You know what I'm saying, though? I'm imagining Dan doing the same thing. I mean, yeah, Dan is the one who taught him how to be this way. But Jesus, like, calm down and be respectful because you don't, I'm just saying, he is a very privileged young boy. Could imagine. Nathan's had a long day and he comes back. Yeah, Nathan's had a shit day. I'm not saying that. It just, you know. And the officer says, hey, you know what? You can smart off in a cell. (gasps) This is where they cuff Nathan Mm -hmm. and And take him away. drag him to the clink. And then we go back to Dan and Deb. They're basking in the afterglow of their lovemaking. Right. The bed, freshly moist. Her legs are shiny and draped over his. They are very shiny. Her legs are so shiny. (laughs) And Deb starts, or Dan actually, he starts to reminisce about the time that they were in her dorm. Do you remember Christmas break first semester? Oh. Yeah, we stayed on campus. Uh. Because I was afraid to tell my parents I was pregnant. Oh, we were in that dorm room for days. Uh, Everyone gone. It's quiet. I remember thinking that maybe the world wasn't out there anymore. Maybe it's just the two of us. And all the trouble outside's just gone away. Because then the telephone rings. That exact moment. And it's the sheriff's department mentioning to Dan that Nathan has been arrested. Yep. Dan doesn't tell Deb, but he gets up and gets ready and said, Who's that? That was the real world. It's still out there. I gotta go. And he goes off to get Nathan. And poor Deb has no idea that her son got arrested. But it's interesting because when Nathan gave the number to call, he gave Deb's number. Mm-hmm. Of course. So, which makes he sense. He expected Deb to show up and then Dan comes. So that's gotta be confusing for him. Yeah. You know? Um, so Dan goes and he picks up Nathan. Um, and it's basically like, you know, this is this is the sign. This is the This is clear. You need to come back with me because you are not capable of running your own life you're a fucking wreck and nathan's like no i'm not going home with you i refuse and lucas comes up and comes up to the defense of nathan oh and... look the disappointments keep coming oh yeah yeah let me get this straight 
Your mom runs off and has a fling. I get the cops to drop the charges, and now I'm the bad guy here? Dad. <laughs> you might want to think before you start trying to make a case for what a great father you've been. What do you know about me being a father? Exactly. You know what? Why don't you shut up and go talk to your mom? Tell her you want to know what really happened between us back then. And you, you want to ruin your life, go ahead. I'm done here. It is kind of interesting, though, that Dan keeps dropping all these, like, why don't you ask your mother? He did that with Deb in the previous episode, he told, or previous episodes. He told Nathan, like, ooh, your mother did some crazy-ass shit, and you got to find out about it. And now he's telling Lucas, ooh, got to ask your mother what really happened. Like, he just loves hoarding this shit over people and, like, making them feel... I mean, he just enjoys this. That he just likes the power trip, I think. Um, but we we don't find out in this episode what that means. But it, it's pretty clear we're going to find out what that means pretty soon. I don't even I don't even remember what this means. Yeah, I it's, mean, I figured, it's, but it's it's, been it's foreshadowing it. something else is coming. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Lucas is upset. He goes home. Karen is still sitting there because she's like, "I'm a mother. I'm always worried. I'm gonna stay up forever until you're home." So she's sitting on a very tiny chair with a very low back. She is just kind of chilling at the table and Lucas sits down and he's like, I know that you deserve to be happy. I know that, you know, this is very complicated, but you know, Keith really deserves to be happy too. Basically like, why didn't you propose? Why did you not accept his proposal? I don't understand. And she mentions that, you know, I'm, I love Keith. Okay. I have loved Keith, but I'm not in love with him because she could never let her heart go there because she didn't want to confuse the friendship. This is where Lucas says it just it sucks for Keith. That's all. He gets up and he walks away. So Lucas is clearly not like handling this very well. I'm glad that he at least gave her a little bit more time to talk and actually ask her like, you know, it is kind of interesting to me that this scene is directly after Dan says to her, like, why don't you tell her what really happened? And he or, doesn't ask. You know, yeah. yeah, he doesn't ask. I'm a little bit surprised that he doesn't ask. But I mean, otherwise, we know what's going to come at some point. So and it does suck for Keith. He's not wrong about that. Anyway, we go back to Nathan's apartment. The place is like wrecked from this apart from this party. I mean, I feel bad for him because think about that window is wrecked. His toaster, he can't make any toast in the morning. You know, like things his in Nathan's mornings are without toast. And with a lot of wind in his apartment. It's it's not good. It's not good for Nathan. This is not a good situation. And Haley feels horrible. She's like, I never ever thought I'm so sorry. I never thought this many people would come. Not for little old me. Not for little old me. No one cares about me. I'm just little Haley James. Haley, like, this is your coming out party, Nathan says. This is what it's like to be popular, Haley. You're going to be Little Miss Popular before you know it. You're with me now. I think this is funny. And this is I said this before. I'm going to say it again right in this moment. Yes, she was organizing the party. But it was a party at Nathan Scott's house. I'm sorry. There's no way somebody's not going to show up for that. Nathan is popular. This was not Haley in her star power getting people to come there. Maybe if it was being held at, like, the James household and it was this exciting, sure. But that's not what's happening. You got Nathan, the clout of Nathan Scott. <laughs> that's the only reason people came. That's right. That's the real star power here. Mm -hmm. And speaking of stars, Peyton is laying down on her bed, staring out the window, presumably looking at stars, but who knows? Her face being illuminated by a very bright light. I don't know how she can sleep in this room facing out the window without yeah, the light. Yeah, I don't either. But either way, she hears footsteps. Because nobody knocks on her door ever, ever, ever. ever. God. She must not lock her front door because suddenly Brooke is there. Mm -hmm. Who knew Tudor girl could throw such a rager? <laughs> wow, that's such a good Sophia Bush impression. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. And you know she gets down in the bed with with Peyton, and they they just they have a little moment together. This they is have, a great scene. They have a little heart to heart, and Peyton like actually mentions to Brooke, like thank you. She says 
for sticking up for me. Because at the very end of that fight in the apartment, Brooke came over to Peyton's defense. Not to pull Nikki off for any other reason, but to defend her friend. Yeah. And Brooke owns up to it. She says, like, yeah, this is my fault. I brought I brought Nikki. I shouldn't have. I'm really sorry. And that, it's, that is really big, I think, of, of Brooke, considering everything that's gone down between them recently. I feel like it's big of her to come over specifically to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. Um, and Peyton, of course, accepts it. See, I wonder, too, if some of what changed her mind was seeing how upset Peyton was. Absolutely. Because... Maybe at this point, Brooke realizes like she was actually into Lucas. Also, I've... they weren't just cheating. Oh, I don't think over. that would make her feel better. Well, I, I think I that would make her feel worse. I think what it was was that she saw that it wasn't that there was something wrong with Brooke that made Lucas do that. It was that that's who Lucas is. Oh, I see. You know that, what yeah, I mean? Makes sense. It's it's not because Peyton is so superior and that she's so special and so important that he would give up everything for Peyton. No, he just he went and fucked somebody else too. Like just like like. He basically kind of did to Peyton what he did to her, in a way. And I think that that's how it feels. If anything, that is, to me, why she feels like she can even talk to Peyton and bond with her again on some level. Um, that makes a lot of sense. I like yeah. how you put that. Yeah, and I think uh, what's nice, though, is that she... Brooke says, you know, I want to call a truce, a real one this time. And Peyton's like, friends again? And she was like, just not enemies at this point. Um, but then yeah. they have more of a conversation. I think it goes really, is really interesting. Yeah. Cause Brooke was thinking about Lucas and mm-hmm. she actually mentions what you were just saying about how he's a guy that makes mistakes like the rest of us. Yeah. Which Peyton comes back and says, you know, it's, it, it's worse when you expect more from somebody. Yeah. And they start to talk about Nikki being a crazy fucking bitch. Well, and they are, but I think that the, the real moment there is she says, yeah, I mean, this feels worse when you expect more from someone. And Brooke is like really quiet. She's like, yeah. And she's crying. I mean, Brooke actually is actively crying because, and I think at that moment, Peyton is looking at her and I, I'm getting chills. <laughs> I think at this moment, Peyton is looking at her and she's seeing how much pain Brooke has been in. And I think she is finally realizing the extent of the pain that she caused Brooke because she feels so disappointed in what Lucas did to her that now she's like, oh my God, not only is Brooke experiencing that, what Lucas did to her, but she also, I let her down. And I could, I feel like that little moment between them, that there's a lot communicated there silently. Um, but then Brooke kind of breaks the the awkwardness of the crying and is like, yeah, Nikki's a crazy bitch, isn't she? And they kind of laugh and it, it's nice. Like it's a, it's a really, really good moment, I think. And also, God, Sophia Bush is so distractingly beautiful. I just like can't. I just like, I was telling Alex, like, oh my God, it's like hard to pay attention. She's so beautiful. And I feel like she is so pretty in that scene. I just love her. Oh. Yeah, yeah, she's pretty. I love her so much. You know, they're like, they're laying there and Peyton asks. Do you think it's possible you and me ever get back to the way we were? It doesn't feel like it sometimes. And we're back at the cafe. It's the next day, right? It is the next day. Yeah. We're back at the cafe. Keith bursts in. Says he got the job. I have felt for too long. That everyone else was out there living their lives. And when they said they wanted me, it just felt good. What a thing to say. So nice. He really, really needs a win right now. And after you get rejected from someone and you lose your job, all these terrible things, the idea of this totally, these new city, new, new people, new type of position, they want him. It's like, this is like the best thing that could happen to him right now. Getting this new job, a totally different kind of life. I'm just, it's so nice for him. I'm just so glad that he has that. And Keith is obviously really excited. Karen is obviously torn emotionally because Keith's like, yeah, I'm going to be starting in a few weeks. So like basically I'm going to be moving now. 
Yeah, and she seems very surprised. Mm-hmm. That like, you know, that's quick. And like things are just moving on. Like, yeah. Karen, you said no. Papa's a Rolling Stone. Oh. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And things are continuing to move on and move forward in different directions with everybody else. Um, We're about to enter a montage, but right before we do, um, and we wrap up everything, Deb is sitting looking, looking very pensive. She's looking at a Raven's book. Trivia question. What year is the book? It's your book. I, I knew it was a yearbook, but um, I don't what? remember seeing the year. 86. 86. Holy yeah. shit. We see that when she sets it down. We might see it before that. But because she sets that yearbook down when she's looking at it. Mm-hmm. She's thinking about it pensively, as you said. That makes sense. Because when I was watching... I, I was born in 1988. And when I was watching this show, I was about a year younger than the characters. So that makes sense. Because he would have been probably born like 87 then. So that makes sense. Yeah, she's sitting there thinking. You could tell she's probably reflecting on her what happened with her and Dan. Dan walks in, actually, and she kind of perks up and kind of smiles a little bit. And, like, it's definitely a different reaction to Dan than we've seen from Deb recently. Because um, their night before meant something to her. But Dan comes in and immediately just drops, like, you know. You know, I was thinking this morning that you should have this divorce. What changed your mind? I just realized the same thing I realized in the dorm room. The real world's always going to be out there. And there's no going back. And he gives her her signed papers. He's ready for this divorce. That's so interesting. It makes me kind of wonder, what do you think was the, the change for him? The night before, he's wanting to get back together still. You know, he doesn't want to get divorced. Well, what I think specifically that, that happened? Because a lot of stuff happened. So what specifically do you think is the reason? Nathan being arrested. Yeah, but what about that? Okay, well, here's the thing. They're laying in bed. All of the passion is reminding him of all of the passion they had in college together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The spark that they had at the beginning that made what they have work. And they just had that. But then, just like he said before, she didn't want to tell her parents that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And, but reality did come crashing back for them. Yeah. He suspended himself in this little fantasy for the night until, once again, reality called. And said, hey, I'm in jail. Pick me up. Yeah, but he, they weren't in that fantasy. I think he was. Before that night. I know, but I think he was in this moment in that, at, at that night when they started to fuck. Yeah, I, I think... know, but I guess what I'm saying is before they had sex, before there was, when she was actively hating him, but nothing happened. He was like, I don't want to get divorced. Like, I want to stay together. So it's not like this was like, like for Deb, it really was like a fantasy because it was something that. She was to- totally not feeling before that. And then it happened and it was like this very high moment that was making her reconsider stuff. With Dan, he kind of got what he wanted when they had sex, you know? So I'm not saying he shouldn't have changed. I'm just wondering what was the specific reason? Was it just kind of realizing like, oh, I lost my son either way. Like, Maybe, yeah. I lost him either way. I lost my other son either way. My life is a fucking mess. Like, why am I even trying to hold on to this woman? You know, I'm not going to get my family back. Maybe that's what he was thinking. You know, yeah, I don't maybe. know. I was just thinking about it. It, it. It's not that I don't think that it makes sense. It's more that I, I wish I understood exactly what it was that caused that. That's all. But now we are at the the final montage of of people. We see Keith packing up his house. Um, Lucas comes over. What happens there? Does he? Do they talk or are they just? No, he just kneels down. Like there's nothing said. Okay. And then it just continues on to the next spot where we see Nathan. He's better at his job because mm-hmm. now he has a pack full of pretzels that he's putting into the case. Good job, Nathan. He's doing better. Good job, buddy. And we go back to the school mm-hmm. where Lucas is standing there and he sees Peyton. 
and Peyton starts to walk by. The school is otherwise empty, which I think is really interesting. There's no one else around. There's school buses, but no one is around. Yeah, when they zoom out, there's nobody. Like Lucas says, like, hey. I didn't know about Nikki and Jake until I met her. So she was just some stranger in a bar you slept with. Lucas, you don't need to apologize, okay? It's just that for all the stuff that you and I had been through, where my head and my heart were at, I couldn't have gone and just slept with some stranger. You know when you and I first met? I was with Nathan, and he was, um, he was a pretty bad guy, if you remember. Yeah. I'm not doing that again. Who knew you two would switch places? Yeah. And that has got, and she, she walks away, and that has got to hit hard for Lucas. Because he, in last episode, think about this, last episode he's compared to Dan. This episode he's compared to early season one Nathan, who was like the biggest dick around. It's bad. I mean, Lucas is not in a good place in terms of like his self-image at this point. He, I mean, I, I would imagine he's not at least. So um, biting, that's a biting uh, critique from Peyton. And Lucas is just kind of left standing there, like contemplating what the fuck he's going to do now. So that brings us to the end. That's it. Wraps it up. End of the episode. What can I say? Yeah. Overall, really good episode, I think. It was a good episode. Yeah. I like I like the party episodes a lot in general. Um, there's always a lot of movement at them and they're entertaining. Uh, and so I would definitely, re- I mean, obviously we watched it twice this week, but we wouldn't, even without the podcast, I this is definitely an episode I enjoy watching. I like the fighting that happens and I think the drama is great. So I would definitely rewatch this. Also. Oh, no, it definitely is. It's just, this is like, this is definitely like a high rewatch episode i think yeah. it's a lot of fun also like a lot of movement we're gearing up toward the season finale we only have two episodes left in the season finale right yeah i actually forgot about that yeah 21 and 22 i think that's it we're so close. we are getting close we're, we're getting wrapping close. up loose ends we're opening up new stories to leave some cliffhangers very exciting very exciting stuff do you have a favorite character what do i think about favorite characters on this episode that's, that's a hard one honestly i i have i don't know maybe brooke i was gonna say brooke um as my first choice yeah I like Brooke a lot. Why do you like Brooke in this? Well, I like how we see her, you know, be pretty much exactly like she's been mm-hmm. towards Peyton, towards Lucas and all of that. And then towards the, like, we are seeing so much of, of Brooke all the time. We're seeing angry Brooke. Mm-hmm. But then we're seeing her really let her heart out. She has her moment where she goes back to party version of her. Yeah. And bitch Brooke. At the end, she's like letting her heart out and letting somebody hold it again. With Peyton in the bed. Yeah, I like that Brooke is, she's finally decided to let go of her anger and just return to her friendship. That's really hard to do. Being screwed over by a best friend like that, that's really hard to do. And she, I feel like in the grand scheme of things, she does it pretty quickly. So she does. I'm, I love that with Brooke. Um, I also like that she admitted she was wrong, you know, like she shouldn't have brought Nikki. Like I, I like that she, because it's not like she wouldn't, she knew that, she didn't know anything about their connection. She had no idea that it was going to get that crazy. I guess, no, I guess she did know about the connection. She didn't know that it was Jake's ex. So I guess there is that. She didn't know a little bit of the drama was going on. But she probably didn't know that, uh, like, everything going on between Peyton and Jake. Yeah, she certainly didn't know about Lucas. So she didn't know about, nobody knew about Lucas. Right. Now everybody does. So I like that she owns up to it and admits that that was a problem, that she caused an issue there. Um, I like that a lot. I also like Nathan in this episode, even though... We don't, like, see that much of him, but, like, him working at the pretzel place. I we, like that we're seeing him have to... We see him growing up a little bit yes, in this episode. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, not only does he... We start out with him not wanting to be around the parties all the time, and he kind of wants a more calm life, but then we also see him, like, taking responsibility for things and, like, really trying. It's nice. 
It is nice. It's nice to see. There's no one I really dislike in this episode. As I talked about it, I was less annoyed with Peyton. I mean, honestly, I don't really know why I was so annoyed with her before. <laughs> I think she was overall okay. Um, I think it was just that one scene you didn't like. I don't know so. what it was. I get I get weird about things sometimes. I don't know. But yeah, I think that's it, right? That is it. Yeah, good episode. Two more left for the season. Very excited to see how it develops. It's been a while, so... That'll so we're very excited for next week's to see what happens. Absolutely. In, in Tree Hill. Absolutely. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much. This was Alex. And this was Lena. And this was Getting Mouthy.